Taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zielinski. The Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now... Here is your host, End Time Watchwoman, Sheila Zielinski. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. Thank you for tuning in, especially to the new listeners over there at WINB. My guest today is one of my favorites. She is a powerful minister from the Lone Star State, and she is here today to give us a powerful teaching on witchcraft, what you don't know about it, and what you need to know. Miss Carla Boutad, thank you for coming back to the program. Thank you, Sheila. Always fun to be with you. Thank you, Carla. It's my pleasure. Where I want to start off here was you had a very interesting dream many years ago. I want you to tell our listeners about that dream and what the significance of this dream was. Okay. I think it was like the first prophetic dream that I ever had. It was in July of 1988. And I didn't know anything about witchcraft. I didn't know anything about deliverance, casting out demons, nothing. So in this dream, and at that time in my life, let me just give this note. At that time in my life, I was part of a spirit-filled prayer group that consisted of people in my church that were like undercover spirit-filled people because our church didn't operate in that. So every Wednesday night, we would get together. So in the dream, I was having dinner with my best friend. We were in an Italian food restaurant, and there were booths along the wall, which we were sitting at a booth. My friend kept looking over my shoulder at something in the back of the room, and I knew she was distracted, and I said, what are you looking at? And she said, don't look now, he's coming over here. So this man walks up to our table, very distinguished looking, had on a suit. He happened to be the owner of the restaurant. And he looks at me and he says, what is your name? And I said, Carla Butod. And he reaches into his jacket and pulls out this legal size envelope. And it had a certificate in it. And it was a certificate for that restaurant. It said, for you, your friends, and your family, up to the sum of $7,000. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that's a lot of Italian food. I I said, but I can't 
I can't take this. And he said, well, it's not for me. Somebody came in here and bought it for you. I'm just giving it to you. And I said, oh, well, thank you. And he walked off. So I was all excited because that was a really strange thing to happen. So I couldn't wait to get to my Wednesday night Bible study. In the dream, I go to the Bible study, which was always held at these people's house. And when I opened the door, it wasn't their house. It was like the inside of a church. It had Sunday school rooms and things. And it was really strange because the teacher was sitting in one of those little tiny children's chairs, a little wooden child's chair. And the adults were sitting in a circle like children would sit. And I recognized some of my friends there that went to the Baptist church, and I couldn't imagine what they were doing there. So I asked the teacher, do y'all have, like, a testimony time? Because I have a testimony I really want to share. And she looked at me kind of annoyed and said yes and wrote my name down. And so when it came time to give the testimonies, I had gum in my mouth, which I almost always do. So I went over to this garbage can that was beside an upright piano that was over in the corner of the room. And when I walked over there, I saw these three girls sitting there, and I thought, well, that's kind of strange. I wonder why they're not sitting with everybody else. And so I went to take the gum out of my mouth, and when I did, the gum went whop. It just filled up my mouth. And all of a sudden, I'm wrestling trying to get this gum out of my mouth, and the more I pulled, the more gum there was. It was really weird. And I looked over, and the girls were snickering at me. So then when I was looking over at them, I noticed that the keys on the piano began to move all by themselves. There's a pedal down at the floor of the piano where if you've ever played a piano, you push this one pedal and it drops so that it's softer. That's what the keys were doing. All the keys were dropping down and coming back up, dropping down and coming back up. Well, all of a sudden, the gun was no longer an issue because I'm freaked out by what's happening to the piano because nobody was sitting there. So as I realized this fear rising up in me, at the same time, this power like surged through me and my arm flew out. And with my index finger on my right arm, I just pointed to the piano and I said, I bind you, Satan. I command you to get out of here now in the name of Jesus. And when I did that, All the keys on the piano rose up almost like a wave and came down with a loud crash. And the girls, they looked angry, like she messed everything up. So then I realized that it's really, really quiet in the room. And I know that everybody has been watching what went on. So I turned around and I straightened my jacket, had on a little suit, and walked over to the people and I I said, I don't know what came over me. I've never done anything like that before. And this girl jumps up out of the middle of the circle, and she says, you think you did anything? Let me tell you if Satan wanted to pick this church up and shake everybody out of it, he could. And I said, hey, that finger went back down. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And then I pointed to every person, and I said, and if you don't know that, you better learn it because you're going to need it. I woke up out of that dream, and my heart was racing. I'll never forget it. It was almost 5 o'clock in the morning, and I had to just get out of the bed. There was no going back to sleep. And I had no idea what that dream meant. But I remembered the scripture, a greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So 
at that time, I was not as well-versed in the Bible, but I found it. I looked until I found it and wrote out beside there the date that I had the dream because I knew that it had meaning. I didn't know what it meant, but I knew it had meaning. And so one of the things over the years as I have had dreams and visions, anytime there's three, I've learned, you know, like the girls were sitting apart, they were hidden. I have learned that that is an indication of witchcraft. Yeah, that number three often does represent witchcraft, doesn't it? Satan is such a counterfeit, though, isn't mm -hmm. he? He's a copycat, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> it's it's amazing how, Carla, we grow up with these cartoons and TV shows like Bewitched and Witches. They aren't nice ladies that wiggle their nose, and it's not black hats and cats and cauldrons. Don't right. be fooled, people. The witchcraft is from Satan. Witches mm -hmm. are real. Witchcraft is real. And there's no such thing as these nice little white witches. It's yeah. not good witchcraft. This is harmful stuff. This is not harmless little cauldrons, black hats, and cats, is it? No, it's not. In fact, as I grew spiritually, of course, things began to happen with me that were not pleasant. And I had no understanding of witchcraft at the time. But see, one day on the radio was these two DJs, and they were laughing about this particular thing that had happened in the news, and they were going to talk about it. And so as I listened to it, they're talking about a high school girl that was expelled from school because supposedly she had put this witchcraft curse on one of her teachers. And the girl had actually told her two best friends that she was going to do this. And they were like many people, oh, yeah, right. Because they, like so many people, think that witchcraft is not real, that it's just something in the movies and stuff. Well, they got in class, and the teacher fell very ill. They had to call an ambulance to come and get the teacher. Well, the girls decided maybe they should tell somebody because of what their friend had told them. So they went to the principal. The principal confronted the girl. She came into the office, and she said, yes, I did. I can't stand that man. And she said, you want to know where I learned how to do it? Out of a book right in our library here at the school. Oh, my. A library yeah. book had spells yeah. in it? Oh, yeah. Well, you'd well, be surprised what is in our school library. Well, look at Harry Potter that stormed the world. I mean, that exactly. is amazing how many people are just jam-packed in those sequels to those movies. And even Christian families, Carla, have books all over their house of Harry Potter one of my really good friends in Victoria, B.C. is a pastor, and his kids had a Harry Potter witch, like a wizard set. And I thought, are you kidding me? Now, I never read the book, but I was told that there are actual witchcraft curses that kids, if they repeat those things, well, you know, you curse someone with your mouth. So naturally, if you repeat something that is a witchcraft curse in a book, then you can do it, too. They were actually indoctrinated with witchcraft, and the parents don't see because they don't really think that it's real. Very subtle overtones of indoctrination. And what happens is you make it palatable to a certain generation of children, and they just, they yuck it up because, you know, it's all just, it's wizards and fun and warlocks, and it's all harmless, right? Right. And, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch Bewitched and you know, those programs, I had no clue, but I had no clue that it was really real. But then as I 
begin to grow in the spirit, you know, you begin to realize just how real this stuff is. Well, and you know what's amazing, Carla, is that I don't think people really, and I hope my listeners know this, but I don't think that people in general realize how widespread and ubiquitous witchcraft is. And what's really stunning is for Christians listening, many are sitting in your church on Sunday, folks. Many are in church on Sundays. Many deacons are warlocks. Isn't that stunning? It is. You know, I say witchcraft and witches that I'm talking about are not like your Wizard of Oz witch or your Snow White witch. Now, these people look just like you and me, and they are everywhere. You know, one of the things that I found almost amusing as I was looking over some of these scriptures again, and I had never even used these scriptures before that I'm fixing to say, but one of them was, you know, in Revelations when it says that Satan was cast out into the earth and his angels with him, you know, the earth is a pretty big dirt ball. Of all the area that Satan could be, he shows up in the Garden of Eden because that's where God is doing a work. And it's the same way today. In Job chapter 1, it says that on a day, the sons of God came to present themselves to God, and Satan came too. And God says, where'd you come from? You know, (laughs) and Again, in chapter 2 of Job, it says again, again, the sons of God gathered themselves together to present themselves to God, and Satan was among them. He is going to show up everywhere God's people show up. That's what he does. Absolutely. If he doesn't, he sends representatives, and that's where the witchcraft comes in, because these people who join forces with Satan, they are using powers from the kingdom of darkness. They show up. Let me tell you, when I was at a conference once and this lady sat down across from me, I didn't know then what I know now, but it was because I had started a meeting the night before with this witchcraft, part of a witchcraft prayer that I'm going to, I want to read at the end of this, because it's a prayer that God constructed for me to protect myself, my family, the ministry that God has entrusted to me to not be so out there and unprotected. But she, so I had bound the witches, the witchcraft and all of that. So what does she do the very next morning? She comes straight to me and sits down across the table and says, did you know witches have their own schools? I said, no, I didn't know that, but it's good to know. She said, and did you know that when they graduate, they are assigned to a particular minister or a ministry? And I said, no, but that doesn't surprise me. And so... She had some things she wanted to take out and share with me that I had already told her I needed to leave in just a few minutes. Well, she just kept on and on and on. And years ago, God told me to stop being polite to the devil. (laughs) He did. I mean, because I was asking him. It was something that happened in our home with our son, and it was very offensive. And and I woke up the next morning and said, Lord, you know me. I'm not going to let this happen again. Tell me how I can handle this next time. And he said, you need to stop being polite to the devil. And I said, what? He said, you're polite to the devil. And as I thought about it, and as I watch Christians in general, we are. The devil is bold. He will be in your face. And because we're Christians and we know we're supposed to be nice, we're polite even to the devil. And, you know, we shouldn't be because the bottom line is Satan is our 
adversary. And he's even trying to kill people. This is no mm-hmm. joke. He is not some little cartoon devil with a pitchfork running around arguing with angels. He is very serious. His job description is to kill, steal, and destroy. And God has given us the power to do something about this. And yet it's amazing because people just are not using that dunamis power that Ephesians talks about, are they? No. And see, this is one thing that I find. I know that this message is a right now message. I mean, this is something that Christians need to add to their arsenal, and that is addressing the enemy. Because so many people think that as long as I'm living a good Christian life, the devil will leave me alone. And that's one of his greatest deceptions and lies. Especially if you're living a good Christian life, he's, you're the one he's after. Let me tell you, in Proverbs chapter 6, it talks about, it's talking about the whorish woman, okay? So we literally see the prostitute or whatever. But in 1 Timothy 4, it talks about seducing spirits. And if you read the end of Proverbs chapter 6 and all of chapter 7, you will see how seducing spirits work. And in 626, it says that she is hunting. She will hunt for the precious life. And that's what Satan does. And you know what's amazing, Carla, is I was looking up the word divination and what's ironic is i was on my ipad and i googled divination i was curious to see what google you know how it has that little definitions and it said Mm -hmm. divination from latin divinare to foresee to be inspired by god and then it says in brackets or a god and then it says is the attempt to gain insight into a question or situation by way of an occultic ritual. Isn't that interesting? It uses the word God, and then it goes on to say, by way of cultic ritual. The Bible is very clear, just so folks know this. In Deuteronomy 18, the Bible is very clear about divination. And let me read this scripture to people, because I think this is really important. Do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead." Anyone who does these things is, there's two words here, an abomination and detestable to the Lord. These are detestable practices. They are. And you know what? I did a teaching called Sins Unto Death. And one of those, the last verse in chapter 20 of Leviticus says that anyone who has a familiar spirit That's what witches and fortune tellers and soothsayers and all of these things, they use familiar spirits. And it says, anyone that has a familiar spirit shall be put to death. It can actually bring a death sentence upon your life. Speaking of a death sentence on your life, you actually had a very interesting scenario with the the guy with the, the baton. Oh, yes. Yeah. This is a guy that used to walk around the city that was near where we lived. And I started seeing him all the time in our town. And I called 
the pastor, and I said, guess who is in our town all the time? Yeah, he moved down there. Don't be surprised if he walks up to you and calls you by name. Well, this guy wore short shorts. He wore, like, drum major boots, a white T-shirt, a camouflage vest, a backpack, and he had this big cat-in-the-hat hat that he would wear, and he carried a baton, which really was like his scepter. He would use it to direct his spells, just like a wizard would. And so this bishop from Nigeria used to visit us, and he was visiting with us, and I saw him in town, and I pointed him out to him, and I told him about this this man. And everybody thought he was crazy, but the pastor said, everybody thinks he's crazy, but he's actually a witch. You know, sometimes he has dead animals on his porch, and he lived in a very old, run-down house in her city. But in my city, I could never figure out where he lived. He would just walk out of the woods, and there he would be. And you know what I found interesting was that it didn't matter what time of the year it was, and we can have some pretty cold times here in Texas, but he never wore a coat. He was like the temperature didn't have an effect on him. Hmm. And, and I find that to be true of witches. And so anyway, this bishop, when I pointed him out, I said, he is a witch. And so, you know, his accent from Africa was very strong, and it, it was took me forever to understand him. But when I told him he was a witch, he says, I said, I'm a witch, I said, I'm a... And I said, what? <laughs> and he said it again, and I had to ask him to say it even again. And he said, I suffer the witch not to live. And I said, oh, well, I knew that, I knew that scripture. You know, God says, I suffer a witch not to live. Yeah. And so, you know, that's how serious God is about this. He, he's not interested to know if you're a white witch thinking that you're not a bad witch. You know, he suffers a witch not to live. So I had left town and I had called home to talk to my husband. And it was just shortly after this happened. And my husband said, hey, you'll never guess who dropped dead. I said, who? The twirler. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> But he was gone. You know, people say, you should be praying for the witches. I said, listen, I know the, that the word says, love your enemies, pray for those who despitefully use you. But when you're in a war and someone's trying to kill you and you're, you've got your gun and he's got his gun, when they come to you to kill you, are you going to stand there? You're going to use your weapon. Yeah. And people who have pledged their allegiance to Satan, it's really interesting because Matthew eleven twelve is really talking mm-hmm. about Satan bringing trouble and pressure, that word there in the Greek, strategies. That, that's to mm-hmm. really bring calamity. But curses, when we get into witchcraft curses, they can make you go through some very troublesome things, can't they? You can feel yeah. almost like a black cloud is over your head. And a lot of people are in that situation where they just feel like, Nothing can go right. Well, I had some years in my life that were like that until I really started learning how to protect myself. Let me tell you the very first thing I learned about witchcraft. I was at a conference where Frank Marzillo Sr. was the teacher, and he had flown into this city. I had driven. So if he wanted to go anywhere, I was his chauffeur. And so we went to the store one night and walking through the parking lot, I saw a penny. 
Well, I reached down and picked it up, and he walked over and slapped my hand, and I'm talking hard enough that the penny flew out of my hand, and it startled me. I said, what did you do that for? He said, because this is what you don't know. Witches will go to the bank and buy rolls of coins. They take those rolls. They do their curses. They have their ceremonies and everything, and then they drive and they broadcast this money all over the city with curses attached to it. And you pick it up, and you don't even know that you've just picked up a curse and brought it home with you. And then all manner of calamity, depending on the curses they put, could have been a curse of sickness, could have been a curse of car trouble, could have been a curse of death. You know, you don't know what the curses are. And so I'll tell you, after that, every time I would pick up a coin, I would break the curses off of it. I just break the curses, any curses that were placed on this coin, I break it right now in the name of Jesus, and I cover it with the blood of Jesus. Shortly after that, it was Mother's Day one year. All of my family, I have two brothers, their wives, Mike and myself, and my mother, my dad had passed away. We went out to eat at a steakhouse. My mother, it's one of those steakhouses where they give you peanuts while you wait. So yeah. Peanut shells. You just throw them on the floor, right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how in the world she even saw the penny. But anyway, my mother found a penny among all those shells, and she bent down and picked it up. Now, we were walking on the way to our table, and I said, Hey, Mama, we need to break the curses off of that penny. And my brother, my oldest brother, who was a Methodist minister, turned around and said, Carla, don't be ridiculous. So we walked onto the table. I forgot all about the penny. My mother dropped it in her purse. When we got through eating, my brother went outside and got my mother's car, which we had all ridden in. And, of course, um, my mother always has a very nice vehicle. When it's three years old, it's old, so she gets a new one. Never any car trouble. And so when my brother pulled up to the sidewalk, we all got in the car, and her motor just cut off immediately. Well, my husband got out and got under the hood. He's checking everything, all the fluids and all the connections and everything. And and he said, well, I don't see any reason that it should have, you know, turned off. Well, there was no movement in the motor at all. We had to call a wrecker. We called a friend to come and get us and take us all home. And the man that worked on her car said, listen, everything was in good working order. I don't see any reason for that motor to have frozen up like that. But she had to replace the motor in her car. And when we were sitting in the car trying to start it, my brother looked in the rearview mirror and said, Carla, you think it was that penny? And he just laughed. And and I thought to myself, well, you can't prove that it wasn't the penny. And this is very strange because mom never has had car trouble ever. So, you know, we just don't know. And Another, listen to this one. There was a a man who lived in Arizona. It was the father-in-law of a friend of mine. His wife had died. He was elderly, couldn't cook for himself and all that anymore, so he wanted to hire this housekeeper. Well, he hired this Hispanic woman, and she was to come in and cook and clean, and if he needed to go anywhere, she would drive him. Well, he let her move in with him against the wishes of his children or the advice that his children said, you know, Dad, don't do that. Well, she moved in, and shortly after she moved in, she kicked him out of the master bedroom. She took it over, put a lock on the door. On his house, she took over. (laughs) Yeah, she took over his house. And 
the old man discovered that she had emptied his savings account and emptied his checking account. He called his son, and the son called the sheriff and had them evicted. Well, he lived in another state, but he said, Dad, I'm on my way, but I've called the sheriff. They're going to come and get them out of your house. When they tore down the door, she had set up a Santeria witchcraft altar in that bedroom. And so my friend called me and said, what should I do? I said, listen, this is a little over my head. Let me, I called Frank Marzillo Jr. Because Frank Marzillo Sr. used to minister all the time in places where witchcraft was very heavy. And so he instructed them to go to every corner in every room of the house, everywhere there was a corner, and look to see if there were any coins. See, they used these coins, okay? Feathers, he said if there's any feathers, any mysterious-looking dust or metal, he said go outside, go to every corner of the house on the outside, every corner of the property, see if you can find anything that's been driven into the ground, remove it. If you find anything suspicious, remove it and burn it. Okay, so they did that, but... It was just a couple of days later, the son took the dad out to eat. They came home, drove up in the driveway. He got out, went around to help his dad get out of the car, and the old man dropped dead right there. Oh, my. The owner of the house. Yes. That this Santeria witchcraft altar was in his house. Wow. So this Spanish maid put a death curse on him. Exactly. I don't doubt. I mean, I believe that because the man didn't have any, you know, impending health problems that should have caused him to drop dead like that. Well, that Santeria witchcraft is very deadly. You know, here in the West, Carla, people don't really understand witchcraft, but it's here. You were talking about your friend in Africa. I mean, people in Africa and the Philippines and other countries, Mm -hmm. they know about witches and warlocks and witch doctors and witchcraft and voodoo. They don't mess around with it, do they? No, they don't. No. I mean, it is very serious. And you know what? Speaking of Africa... And, of course, the witches use the elements, too. I mean, I think about all the disastrous weather things that happen all the time. And I just wonder, you know, God gave us dominion over the earth. And what I find is that many times people who are involved in the kingdom of darkness understand the principles that God gave us better than the Christians do. And they use it. They're very bold with their dominion, like tornadoes and hurricanes. I started asking God about hurricanes. I said, Lord, what in the world would make a thunderstorm take on such a life that we give it a name? And it has one eye, which is indicative of witchcraft, and its purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. How can we say this is an act of God, Mother Nature? But, you know, I asked God, could it be that because witchcraft is so openly practiced in Africa that they are putting curses on the water? You know, there are water demons. There are demons in the air, and they all work together. They use the wind, the, the water, the fire. And, and look at all the disasters that happen all the time in our country. Each area has their own 
danger thing, like California and the wildfires. And then they have the flooding here. They have the tornadoes here. They have the hurricanes here. They have earthquakes here. Well, when you're plugged into that supernatural dark power, you can almost manifest everything when you're plugged straight into Satan's power. Oh, right. Well, and they can use animals and you see cats and bugs and I don't think yeah. they really like dogs, but they do use animals, don't they? Wait a minute, they, you had a golden retriever. Tell our listeners about Sam. Yeah. Okay. So I was at a conference once and this, this man told me that there were two covens of witches that were putting curses on me. And I said, well, make them stop. I mean, that scared me. I didn't know anything about witchcraft. And so I used to go for a walk every morning, and I would take my golden retriever with me. And we had had a real heavy rain, and we lived on a dirt road. And I don't know if y'all have ever driven much on dirt roads, but they're real dusty, and then when the rain comes, they're real muddy. And so after the big rain, these graders will come and just smooth the road off. And, I mean, it's as smooth as glass. It's, it's like driving on a nice road. Well, the morning that we went for a walk, my dog, I noticed, right in front of my house was sniffing something. And he would let me know if there was a snake around. And I could tell by his behavior, oh, I think he must see a snake. But when I saw what he was sniffing, I thought, that's the strangest looking thing. It was like, you know how your children play at the beach with sand and they'll fill up a cup and turn the cup upside down and move the cup. Right. And the shape of the cup is still there. That's kind of what it looked like. So as I walked over to examine it, I couldn't tell what it was. And when I bent over to take a close look, I heard, those are snake bones. And I was like, yep, that's what it looks like. Well, I was clueless, you know, because I didn't know anything about witchcraft. And so it didn't mean anything to me other than it was weird. So... But the rest of the way that I walked down the road, I told my husband, there was just such an eerie feeling that day. It was kind of like there was somebody behind every tree watching me. It, that's how it felt. And so the next morning, I had gone outside to throw some scraps to the chickens. We had some yard chickens, and I would call them, and they would come, but Sam always got there first to get the good stuff. Well, that morning, Sam didn't come, and it was really unusual. But at the same time when he didn't show up, I got this, this feeling in my gut. So I went in the house, and my husband was shaving, getting ready for work. I said, honey, I think Sam is dead. And he said, why would you say that? I said, I don't know. I just have this feeling that Sam is dead. I said, well, I threw the scraps and he didn't come. He always comes. He said, oh, honey. So he's probably chasing a rabbit out in the woods. Don't worry about it. He'll show up. Well, he never did show up that day. And later in the day, I was taking a walk. I didn't go in front of the house. I went straight out over this little hill. And there was this big black thing. At first, when I looked, I thought, is that a bear? I mean, we don't have bears in these Texas. It was big and black. Well, as I got closer, the black flew away, and what it was was a big mound of vultures. Mm. And Sam laying mm. dead. And he didn't look like he had been hit by a car. He wasn't, it just looked like somebody had laid him there. When I saw that man again, I told him about that. And he said, he said, you know what? 
those snake bones were put there to be a death curse for you. Wow. He said, it's a good thing you didn't fool with it. Your dog sniffed it, and he's dead. Well, then I began to really start asking God to teach me what I need to know. What do I need to know? I'll tell you another thing that happened. I came home from a conference, uh, went in, had coffee, visited with my husband, and then he was going to go take a shower. And I said, well, I'm going to go get my bags. And he said, well, I'll get them. I said, no, go ahead. I can get them. Walked outside, and our house is um, about three feet off the ground. So we have four or five steps to get down to the ground. When I lifted my left leg to go down onto the first step, I felt two sharp blows on my shoulder blades on my back, and I went flying. I, I mean, I didn't even, my foot never touched one of those steps. My next step was ground level, and I fell forward and knocked the breath out of me. And so I screamed when I felt the blow. You know, like if, if somebody pushed you, I went, ah! And Mike came outside, and he was looking left on the porch and right on the porch, and I, I was just kind of trying to catch my breath, and he heard me down on the ground. And he said, what happened? I said, somebody pushed me. Well, of course, that sounds crazy because there was nobody there. But, it, you know, it took me a while to realize what all this stuff was that was happening. And then I realized that, you know, witches can astral project out of their bodies and be right there with you. You know, this same bishop last January, he was back in the States, and he was telling me that he was praying in this church one night. He prays during the night. He wakes up every night at midnight and prays till three, four, however long. And he said the the pastor of the church where he was to have his meeting said, if you want to come to the church and pray, here's the key. So nobody is in the church. His wife and daughter had told him that morning that there was a lady sitting on the front row that looked angry the whole time he was preaching. And I thought to myself, I bet she was a witch, but I didn't say anything to him. Then he said, so that night when I was in the church by myself, I went to the chair where she sat and I anointed it. He said, do you know that the next day she came in and went directly to that chair and moved it from there to another place and put a different chair. So the next night, I anointed it on the bottom. I turned that chair upside down. He said, I thought maybe she saw the oil, you know. So he turned the chair upside down, anointed the bottom of the chair. He said, do you know she came in and moved that chair? And after he said that, I, I said to him, you know she was a witch, right? I said, you know how she knew what you had done to her chair? Because she was astral projecting and she was in the church with you. She heard every prayer you prayed. She saw what you did to her chair. That's why we need to know about witchcraft. You know, people say, but I have a strong prayer life. I said, you know what? I did too. I do have a strong prayer life. But if you're not addressing the enemy, see, prayer is addressing God. Warfare is addressing the enemy. 
And that's what Matthew 18 tells us. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I mean, that is why it is so important, especially when there's witches in our churches, deacons that are warlocks. I mean, we need to be very much discerning. And that's why discernment is so important, isn't it? Because the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's right. Well, you know, I am getting a little smarter. But now, you know, I say witches are in every meeting. I'm doing whatever I can to just keep them from coming, you know, because they're always there to cause trouble. One time there was this girl there at a meeting, and the schedule was pretty rigorous. This is before I was teaching, and I was tired, you know. I didn't know if I was going to go to the next meeting or not. And this girl walked up to me. And God had already pointed her out. I'm learning God will point them out to me if I'm paying attention. So she came over to me and said, oh, are you going to go to the next meeting? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm trying to decide whether or not to go take a nap. I'm really tired. She said, oh, let me pray for you. So she stuck her hand on the nape of my neck. You know how you pick up a kitten? The mother picks them up by the nape of their neck. Yeah. That's kind of what she did to my neck. I mean, she... I was polite to the devil because if it had been my brother or somebody else, I would have taken my elbow and she was hurting me. But I was trying, you know, not to act like she was hurting me. Now, how stupid is that? She finished. Well, and who grabs somebody by the neck like that? When you're laying hands on somebody, you typically, that's not what they're doing is grabbing by the nape of the neck. No, she was hurting me. I mean, it was a it was a grip that it was just unnatural. So I went ahead and went to the meeting. But that night when I laid down in the bed, in the middle of the night, I was awakened. And I realized I could not move. I could not move. Wow. It was, and like my whole body, there was just this pain that was very evident but it was like I was paralyzed. I mean, I started praying. I started binding. I started, you know, but this is in the in the time that I'm learning about witchcraft. So I know now to protect myself before I ever leave. And that's what, you know, God had begun to show me to address the enemy before I do anything. But this is what I tell my mother. She's always asking me questions. I said, Mom, this is what people don't understand. You believe in angels, right? Well, sure. I said, well, then you have to believe in demons then. Because God has his angels. The devil has his angels. What we don't realize is that there, right now in the room where we were, I said, there's angels here and there are demons here. If we're not putting them at bay, they're here. Because they've been assigned to come and listen to our prayers, to report back to the enemy. I'll give you an example. My brother, this is my other brother, was he's retired now, but he was the president of a bank, and he had been president for many years. When he retired, they gave him this big deal truck, $70,000 truck, and he and his wife were going to take a trip. She has her own insurance agency. They make good money, okay? So they're going to take this trip, They have their luggage in the back seat of the car. They're on their way to the airport. They stop at a restaurant to eat. They get to the airport, open the back door of the truck to get their luggage out, and guess what? All gone. They lost 
about $5,000 worth of stuff. I told my brother, and I've been trying to teach my brother, Hebrews 1.14 says, The angels are given to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation. Right. Okay, so we have these angels standing around. I said, how long would it have taken you when you were driving up into the parking lot to say, I call on mighty angels to come stand around this truck while we're in the restaurant so that no evil penetrate? How long did that take? Let me tell you, that's better than insurance. <laughs> well, and what else did Jesus say? He said, behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions right. and over all the power of the enemy. He didn't say, behold, I give you some authority. He said, all the power of the enemy. And my question to people, whenever they say, well, but, you know, we don't have to worry about the devil. He's already defeated. Oh, I isn't that just so nauseating when people say that? Mm-hmm. This is my question. Well, if that's true, I mean, theoretically, he is defeated. But if we did not have to worry about the enemy, then why did Jesus give us power over all his power? Well, and then why did Jesus give us weapons of warfare then if he's already defeated? It says right. for the weapons of our warfare there in Second Corinthians 4, they're not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Well, where would those strongholds come from? Mm-hmm. And here's, here's the one that has been hammering in my head so much this year. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. Yes. That's a good one. And that's, again, why it's so important for people to use discernment. I mean, we need to be praying over our homes. We need to be anointing our houses, our items. People buy antiques and clothes. And before we even bring them into our homes, we should be praying over them, shouldn't we? I was just thinking about Frank Marzullo talking about those cursed pennies. I mean, items can be cursed. Sure. sure. And, you know, look at look at clothing, even a friend of mine and I were talking, she went to Israel and she said, here is all this stuff, you know, that they sell as, as souvenirs and stuff, all made in China. Or Indonesia know. or somewhere. Yeah, right. We don't think about those things. We don't think about it. But there are many things that we can bring in our house that can bring a curse. Well, you know, I was, somebody took me out for supper a couple of weeks ago and we went into this Chinese restaurant and the very first thing that was sitting in the entranceway was this massive Buddhist mm-hmm. statue. You know, they had a lot of ancient sort of, it was very authentic kind of old school Chinese restaurant. And, you know, as I walked in, Carla, I absolutely just got the heebie-jeebies and I just started <laughs> yeah. praying in the spirit. And I mm-hmm. said, you know, I just cover myself with the blood of Jesus. And I'll tell you, bang, instantly the just the whole atmosphere changed. So, I mean, it's important that we need to be praying over ourselves, our items, our things in our house, anointing our houses. But what are some of the other things people can do if they suspect they might have a witchcraft curse against them? You can ask God to show you what it is in the first place, because I've done that. And, you know, like I almost died some years ago thinking that I had two brown recluse spider bites. And I, I can look back now and I know good and well there were two women that God had pointed out to me, and I believe they were witches, and I think they put a death curse on me. I've never heard of anybody getting t- I've heard of one. But, I mean, these. what happened was I was teaching on the spirit of the bride of Satan, and they were just kind of like really giving me some weird looks. It was just almost disturbing. I had to purposely not look at them. Well, right before I did the deliverance prayers, it was like somebody flicked a big lighter, 
and was holding it under the left side of my bottom. I mean, I was on fire. I was trembling by the time I got through with the prayers. I had told this doctor who is on staff at the camp, he's dead now, but in fact, let me say this about that. He was a really wise man. It was Dr. Knoll at Lake Hamilton, and he had written a book about rejection. Well, when he finished that book, he announced from the pulpit that he was now working on a book about witchcraft. And do you know he was dead within about four to six months? Wow. And I, you know, people may think I'm crazy, but I guarantee you when that word went out, every witch started putting death curses on him. I believe that. There's going to be end time miracles going to be done by the power of Satan. And people are going to think that it's of God. People Uh have to really understand how to deal with this stuff because this is serious stuff. They're not messing around here. No, they're not. But, you know, you said the key just a while ago, and that is the word is a discerner. If people do not read the word to know the truth, it's going to be easy for them to be deceived because the Holy Spirit will nudge you. All I can say is from my experience, as I read the Word of God and the more and more truth got into me, when something came along that was shady, it was almost as obvious as someone waving a red flag in front of me. The more the word, the more the discernment, right? Right. So when people say, pray for me that I'll have more discernment, I say, Lord, I pray that she will have a hunger and thirst to get in her word. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because that's where it's at. We have to have that. Well, and who asked somebody else to pray for them to pray for discernment? I mean, that is something that God says we have once we get enmeshed in the word. And that's one thing that is very sadly lacking. I am so stunned at how many Christians I come across. Their Bible is collecting dust. Like, they don't even crack that thing. And I think, my goodness, man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I mean, how can you not be in the word every day, especially with what's going on in this world? I know. I say, you know, that most Christians are like little baby birds. They just want to go to church and let the preacher regurgitate, and they just eat it up. Well, and it's typically a lot of these ear-tickling motivational Bye. speeches that replace those old-time preachers with the thundering Holy Ghost-filled mm-hmm. Word of God. You don't see a lot of pastors like that anymore that are just thundering from the pulpit with the impeccable Word of God. I mean, it's all this lukewarm, numbed and dumbed-down, watered-down mm-hmm. garbage, and it's like, every day is a Friday and live your best life now. But I wonder if those guys back in the early church were living their best life now when they were getting beheaded and stoned to death and starving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what you just said, it, when they were being beheaded and starved and beaten and all those things. I believe those days are, are coming back. Yes. We are absolutely seeing the persecution of Christians, and it's just starting. And I believe yeah. there are some very perilous times ahead. So in the waning moments, Carla, I want you to talk a little bit about the prayer that God gave you. And if you could pray it over my listening audience, that would be greatly appreciated. Okay. I call this my AM warfare prayer because I've learned to do this the minute I wake up. So that it's kind of like taking a bad, like a junkyard dog and tying him to a tree (laughs) to bind him. 
Okay, so this is the prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for giving me power over all the power of the enemy. I exercise that power now, and I bind and break the power of the spirit of the witch, the wizard, the warlock, and the witch doctor. In the name of Jesus, I bind and break the power of every spirit working from the kingdom of darkness against me. And then there's a space to name whoever else you want to name. I bind every spirit, even from those in the kingdom of light, which is charismatic witchcraft. And in the name of Jesus, I break the power of every word spoken curse being spoken against me, my husband, my children, and whoever else you want to name ministries, ministers. I send out the warring angels to scramble the plans and the assignments that the enemy has for me this day. I sever the silver cord of every spirit that is astral projecting to watch me, gather information, eavesdrop, trip me up, block or hinder the works of God. In the name of Jesus, I bind every spirit not of the Holy Spirit. Satan, I bind you, rebuke you, and render you powerless over my life this day. I assign mighty angels to stand around every person in my family, around me, all those in leadership, the shepherds, the sheep, to guard and protect that no evil penetrate. Father, I ask that you would expose any unholy activity before it has time to take root and bring it to destruction. Give me keen discernment and wisdom that I might be as wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. And I thank you now for turning every curse that would come against me into a blessing for my good and your glory. I cover myself with the precious blood of Jesus this day. Amen and amen. Amen. That was wonderful. Thank you, Carla. I really encourage folks to go to my website, weekendvigilante.com, click on today's post and send Carla an email and get a copy of that AM Warfare Prayer. That is very powerful and we certainly would want to be doing that over ourselves every day. Absolutely wonderful stuff. Thank you for sharing your teaching today, Carla. This was a very, very eye-opening teaching on witchcraft and I think it's something that everyone needs to be aware of. So thank you for coming on the program today, Carla, and thank you for everything you do. I really appreciate your ministry very much. It's always a pleasure to be with you. We're in it together. Yes. Folks, that was Ms. Carla Boutaud. Her information, both her website and her email contact information are linked there at weekendvigilante.com. Folks, we have an awesome guest lineup tomorrow. I've got Clive and Bundy, the last rancher standing. And then Friday, I have a very special guest, Miss Juliana Tamaruzzi with the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. So be sure to tune into that, folks. And if you are listening to the show, Drop me an email. Let me know how you liked it. It is, again, linked there at weekendvigilante.com. And don't forget, sign up for my podcast. Click on the big pink button on the right-hand side that says Sheila's Podcast, and you can sign up for my podcast there. Folks, thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast tonight. Good night, and God bless. The Sheila Zielinski Show is sponsored by SteveQuail.com, offering a wide variety of products, links, Headlines and information for the end times. Order Steve's new book, Little Creatures, by visiting stevequail.com. Dare to discover, learn, prepare, and be amazed.